0: Do get wrong. busy living, or get busy dying. So can you. Zed's dead, baby. This was Zed's my... Dead. This is something really
1: violent. I have to go home. Yeah, you may be a superhero, buddy, but you're not invincible. You are home. You're gonna be lying to you for a week? I was trying to be romantic.
0: Come out to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. We will not go quietly into
1: the night. What mission? Save but the world. We are I'm Mitch,
0: and I'm Stephanie,
1: and we're the Film Underdogs. Underdogs. Welcome back to the Film Underdogs. Today we're going to be talking about Wes Craven a little bit, and then we're going to talk about some of the movies and things that scared us as kids, kind of imprinted who we are as far as uh, movie makers. Uh, We'll go into talking a little bit about genre, that kind of thing. We recently lost Wes Craven, so we thought we'd take a few minutes today and talk about uh, the movies of his that we enjoyed and how he changed the horror film scene. Well, we're going to remember
0: Wes Craven and all the glorious work he did in the horror genre of film. All the Scream movies. All the Freddies.
1: Freddy was my introduction to Wes Craven. Uh, I first saw the Freddy movies back when I was, I don't know, 10, something like that. And they scared the bejesus out of me. And for a long time, I had a heck of a time trying to sleep after that because, you know, it's a film about don't go to sleep, so obviously
0: it imprinted a little bit on me. You stole my word. I wanted to say bejesus. Thanks a lot. Scared the bejesus out of me. That's what I was thinking. Well, like, when I was a wee little one, and I was hanging out with my dad, for some reason he was watching the, the second Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it was the second one. i just look over at the TV, and... There's some girl in a room, she's looking at her TV, and then, like, Freddy's on there, and then she's looking closer and closer, and then he pops out and pulls her in, and it's like, I'm a little kid, I'm scared, oh my god, it's so freaky. Uh, I didn't really watch any more Freddy's for a long time, but Scream, the Scream movies, that's where I started. And... Yeah, it scared me, you know. I was pretty freaked out when I saw the first one, Scream. Uh, When did that come out? Like, in the, like, late 90s or something? (laughs) I was like, what? Middle school, I think when I I saw it was middle school. I didn't see it in theaters. So it was like a middle school. (laughs) It freaked the hell out of me. And I saw the other Screams, and... I thought David Arquette was really cool, you know, uh, (laughs) oh yeah, oh my god, oh god, oh god! Like the first scene in in the first Scream movie, that horrified me as a kid, because it was like so gory uh, with how they leave Drew Barrymore, like the parents find her and just like, oh and her boyfriend's guts are coming out of his guts and it's gross. And, well, I mean, that whole part, like, the whole freaking opening act is just classic. Just so... What's a better word than awesome? It was, uh, it was fantastic. Just, what's your favorite scary movie? And, like, all that, like, man, you know? It was really good.
1: So Wes Craven was a very busy man. He has 29 director credits, starting out back in 72 with The Last House on the left. Um, He also did Swamp Thing, Hills Have Eyes, um, several very major uh, movies before he got to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Of course, Nightmare on Elm Street is what really uh, put him over the top, and he um, really came to his own, and that started changing the genre a little bit. The credit that kind of threw me off a little was the uh, Walt Disney Wonderful World of Color credit. I thought it was interesting that the Master of Horror worked for Disney on a uh, TV series. Only one episode, but still, that's not quite what you're expecting when you're looking through and seeing what someone of his uh, particular ilk did. Maybe he did it for his kids. Eh, (laughs) Something. The interesting thing about Wes Craven, though, is that he was a teacher for a while, and so when you see pictures of him, he doesn't look like someone who would do that kind of a movie after last house on the left it took a while for him to get into another movie where someone would work with him because the last house on the left apparently was so crazy that everyone pretty much figured he had to be insane in order to come up with that and while he didn't direct any of the other nightmare movies other than a nightmare on elm street the first one and New Nightmare, he was involved as a writer with the majority of the other ones.
0: For uh, Scream 4, I know my friend Justin, he once and saw it with Casey, uh, when they had like a free preview kind of screening, and Wes Craven was there, and Justin met him.
1: So That's so, very cool. Yeah.
0: He's like a huge fan, he was really into the Scream movies. My friend Justin, my friend Justin. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that one on there, okay, Music of the Heart, that one, like, shocked me, because that's, like, about like, music teachers. Meryl Streep's in it, Sync has a song for it and all that, and it's all fluffy. Totally not his kind of genre at all. And, uh, of Le- course, Leachman's in it, oh my gosh. So, there you go for crazy, outside-the-box genre for him.
1: Well, and the way I understand it on that one, um he did a few things that were outside of his normal genre just to kind of prove that he could. As crazy and as insane as his movies were, he was the exact opposite. He uh was a very quiet and mellow person. He was very contemplative. I thought that was kind of interesting because you see the movies with Blood, guts, and gore, and the hack and slash and everything. Apparently he was a very normal person that if you met on the street you would never guess what he did for a living. Something fun that I found that I didn't realize was a thing is there are several short Freddy Krueger films out. They're all about half an hour give or take, and they're all relatively recent. Looks like there's about one a year been coming out for a while, and... One of them that i found, and that I actually want to sit down and watch the rest of, I only watched about half of it, is Freddy versus Ghostbusters. That was put out in 2004. Love Freddy, love the Ghostbusters, so I kind of want to see what they did. It's basically a fan film that is based on Freddy Krueger, and so he didn't directly have anything to do with it, but I didn't even know that was a thing until just a couple of days ago, so... It's something I want to see where they took it. And they haven't forced him to pull it down yet, so he must have been all right with it on some level. if you're looking for those, they're called Kruger, Another Tale from Elm Street, Kruger, A Walk Through Elm Street, Kruger, The Slasher from Elm Street. So they may be some fun ones to go take a look at.
0: So we talk about... All her favorite scary movies.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. So a lot of Wes Craven stuff I really never watched, but I could really appreciate the genre changing things that he did with the horror movie industry. And he took a industry that was basically kicked to the side and made it more mainstream. He Changed it up with each movie he put out, he tried to put something different into it to keep pushing things forward and so that's very respectable. A nightmare on Elm Street when I watched that the first time as a kid, I was of course horrified by this man with the burns and the the knives on the hand and just the shock of it and then, as I got older, the movie kind of spoke to me from a makeup point of view. That's one of the makeups I've been wanting to do for a while, and I just haven't gotten around to doing a uh, makeup of, because it's such an intense makeup, and iconic makeup, that I actually want to make sure that whenever I do it, it pays good tribute to the movie. There were things in... The movie, I remember one scene he's walking down a alleyway and his arms stretch out and he drags his knives across both sides of the alleyway. There were things like that that just when you look back at it now and look at it from an adult point of view and from a film point of view, it's like, okay, well, maybe that was a little silly you know yeah. you can-
0: when I first saw that scene, I was like. I love you this much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that was part of Freddy anyway, was he wasn't just pure anger and psychotic, I'm going to kill you. He's kind of a comedian. He's got to come up with a good line, and he likes to play with people. He doesn't want to just kill you. He wants you to know that he's going to kill you. He wants to hunt. He doesn't want to be fed, to take it back to (laughs) Jurassic Park a little (laughs) bit, but. And he wants to have fun and kind of tease and make sure you know, torment you a little bit. And so I really liked that aspect. And then, of course, there was the scene in the bedroom where he's coming out of the ceiling and leaning against the wall, and you see him kind of coming in through it, and you see his outline and everything. That was one of those scenes that got me interested in makeup and special effects because I wanted to know, how did they do that? Although I look back at it now and it's pretty obvious, but at the time I really was fascinated by that. It's like, that is cool. That's something that you haven't seen before. And that's one of those scenes that a lot of people still get freaked out by.
0: The last scene creeps the hell out of me where it's just like... what, the teenagers, the the friends are all together again, driving off on their car, and then, in their car, and what, like, Freddy, oh yeah, the car has, like, the convertible convertible top, top, and then it just, like, turns into, like, his clothing stripes and stuff, and then pretty much envelops them. The mom's waving goodbye, and then you see Freddy's come through the front door, like, the little windows, (laughs) and grabs the mom and brings her right in and turns into, like, a dummy because it's for special effects. But that even creeps me out, just that it's a dummy. Even, like, just seeing that, it's like, "Ah!" I was like, oh, crap.
1: For as low-tech as some of the effects were, it was still pretty good at the time, and they made it work. They edited it right to where... Even though sometimes you can see that, yep, it's a dummy, it still works. And especially your first time through, or a couple times through, when you don't have time to process, oh, this is what's coming up, then the shock of it isn't up, it's up there for a second, boom, it's gone, and you may not even realize what you just saw. So for that, you know, uh, Freddy... Always was kind of one of my favorite horror monsters, movie monsters. I didn't really have nightmares too much from Freddy Krueger. I would have a hard time getting to sleep because I'm thinking, well, can't go to sleep or Freddy's going to get me kind of thing. But the one movie that really got to me, have you seen American Werewolf in London?
0: Yep. CCR, man.
1: That movie was the one, when I was a kid, that gave me nightmares. I never got nightmares from movies up till that point. And it's been pretty rare that I get nightmares about movies since then. But I remember I had some of the most horrific nightmares after I watched American Werewolf in London. Which is not a Wes Craven movie, but... You know, I thought I'd throw it out there since we're talking about nightmares and scary movies. There was just something about it, something visceral, and they did an extremely good job on the transformations in that movie. Oh, yeah. That it looked very real, and they did a good job of putting everything together in a way that it's a funny movie, but it's also scary and freaky at the same time. A lot like Nightmare on Elm Street, actually. Yeah. They used comedy in a lot the same way, and there was a morbid sense of humor through the whole thing. What was the nightmare movie for you? Which one gave you the worst nightmares?
0: Well, there was... I mean, it's a newer film. It's not one... I can't think of... I didn't really watch that many scary movies as a kid. Oh, wait... My dad was terrible, terrible dad, not really, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> when Arachnophobia came out, he thought, let's go see it at the drive-in. And this was when I was like, what, five or six or something? He tells me now, he's like, oh, I thought it was gonna be a comedy. Oh, it, it was, a dark comedy, but mainly about spiders and spiders and spiders. Yeah. Thanks, dad. Yeah, Arachnophobia. I can kind of watch it now. Kind of. Too many spiders, man. It's not fair. Like, I remember coming home and just, like, freaking out, thinking there were spiders all over the carpet. Because I live with my mom at the time. I just hang out with my dad. And, uh, yeah. I was scared those spiders. And I still hate spiders. Oh, I don't hate spiders. I'm just afraid of spiders. Especially in the shower. Ooh. Anyways. That's another story. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the one that comes to mind was me being a sicko and going out to the theater to see paranormal activity. The original, the first one. My good friend Casey, Mitch's wife, and I are sickos. Aka, like, mainly just because we, uh, get uh, creeped out really easily, but then we're really intrigued at the same time. So, yeah. And with, uh, she saw, she went and saw it with me as well, and some other friends and stuff. Paranormal activity, I don't know. And, uh, basically, it scared the hell out of me, and I usually have my eyes closed when I know, you know, when I can tell it's gonna be really scary and it's gonna make me jump. I don't look at the screen, I turn away. This time, I was, my eyes were on the screen, and it was the end, and like, I don't care if it's a spoiler, because, like, oh my god. Like, she's looking at the camera at the end, looking at it. I'm like, oh, what's she looking at? I'm just going to keep my eyes open. And then (laughs) this creepy demon face thing fills up the entire freaking movie screen. I was scared for, like, two weeks, man. I could not sleep right. But it was a really good movie. I enjoyed it. Well, I know one that, like, scared me a lot was 13 Ghosts, when I saw it the first time scared me so much I didn't even finish it I don't think it's just like for me when it's like something scary on film it makes me feel like so uncomfortable where it's like okay it's like a hard thing to describe where it's like something like clawing at your brain or something it's like and it's like come on go away and then when it's gone you're like okay That's what it felt like with that movie, where it's like some creepy face, "Ah, and then it's like, I hate this, ah," and then it was over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another one that messed with me for a while as a kid was Psycho, because picture it, in the way, way back. I was at my mom's house, and they had HBO Back in the day, and it was summertime. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the parents are at work. The kids are at home. So, we're watching TV, seeing what movies are on. And here comes Psycho. We're already watching horror movies, so we're like, alright, this works. And that movie was, I think, a little bit too close to what could happen a little too much reality it wasn't the guy with the burns and the glove it wasn't the werewolf it was just some random guy who is actually really evil i think that part of it really kind of freaked me out as a kid and then of course with the twist at the end it's kind of messes with your mind when you're 12 Mm -hmm. you know And of course we sat down and watched all three of those movies back to back to back. (laughs) So, you know, we were good and freaked out by the end of that. And while we were freaked out by that, we also enjoyed every last minute of it. And we've talked a lot about horror movies and scary movies, but one of the things that we haven't really talked about too much on the podcast is what genre we had like to work in wherever we start making movies and films. Part of the stuff that we're going to be doing is horror based and kind of thriller based, but what is the genre that you would like to work in most? Everything being equal and you have your choice of what kind of film to work on or what kind of film to make. Would it be horror or would it be something else?
0: Probably dark comedy. I know we did that for 48 Hour, but I don't know, I've always liked the dark comedies. Into the dark, twisted stuff. Doesn't have to be comedy. Kind of like David Lynch-esque, where kind of, like, out there, what's going on, but it kind of makes sense. What's going on, that kind of genre. Yeah, the
1: darker, kind of twisty stuff, where you're not quite following
0: everything, and then something pops out at you from left field. I'm really excited for horror, because I would, like, really want to do all this gory stuff. Oh my god, I'm so excited because that sounds fun.
1: That's a big part of it for me. I'm not necessarily a full-on full-blown horror fan. I like horror movies, but I think some of them take the realistic effects too far. At that point, they don't scare me. They just kind of creep me out, and it's like, yeah, I don't need to see that. I really enjoyed the Hostel movie. <laughs> But I enjoyed the concept of it, but then there were certain scenes where they showed a level of realism and uh, almost HD horror and gore that was a little too realistic, and it just gave me the heebie-jeebies. I didn't want to look at it, and so it actually, to me, took away from the film. If it would have been left as, okay, someone got their finger chopped off and throw some blood on there and call it good... That's one thing, but I don't need to see the tendons sticking out and all of the gristle, and it was just a little too much.
0: Dude, I'm with you. Like, I cannot watch any of those torture... What are they called? Torture porn, I think is the
1: term for it.
0: I mean, I saw one called Vacancy with Luke Wilson. But anyways, it was kind of like that, where it was just, like, snuff films or, like... I just, no, no. I don't like seeing people being tortured. Like, especially, like, the fingernail peeling off thing. Yeah, no. That's, like, the worst form of torture ever. And it's just a fingernail, but it's... Gross. No, 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 no. I even saw, like, House of Wax with Paris Hilton. She dies in it. Yeah, it's good. That part. But, um, there's a little bit of torture in it, and I... No. No. The thing that
1: bothered me most about House of Wax... There's just one scene that was too much. You see a hand coming up out of the grate, and someone comes along and cuts one of their fingers off. That was too much for me right there. It just kind of creeped me out, and it was just one step too far. I don't need to see that. I don't necessarily want to go into a movie that's that far into the blood, guts, and gore, especially where you're trying to get realism. I do like the horror genre because it gives you lots of good uh, makeup effects and special effects things that you get to do that you don't get to do in a lot of the other genres. I'm also kind of leaning towards the uh, sci-fi spectrum because there's a lot of things you can do there that aren't necessarily grisly or gross, but they're still very cool and you can do some very intense makeup work and come up with some really neat things.
0: Oh, I was only going to say, like, because another one part that... The part that I liked was him walking into the church, was it? And everyone was, like, waxed over. It was just, like, gross but really creepy. And it made me think of this dream I had, this nightmare these two girls, well, early 20s, whatever, going on a road trip, and I think they, like, stop somehow They're For some reason, they stop uh, on the side of the road, and I'm, like, one of them. I'm not me, I'm just character in the stream. Ugh. It almost creeps me out just talking about it, because it's more of, like, how I felt in it than what happens in it, but it's basically, like, they're... It's a ghost town, basically. They're looking through windows, and then there's this old lady who looks in the window- looks out the window (laughs) at her house, and, uh, I know at one point one of the- like, not me, but the other friend, uh, she sees, like, a dead man, dead body, and it's kind of like this thing where they're trapped there, and this old lady is all creepy, and- there's police there trying to like figure out something about the murder that happened to this dead guy and basically these girls are trapped there and it just bleh. I kinda wanna write something about that, maybe do a movie about that, but it was just like bleh. it was really gross. Creepy. I was kinda just saying it so you know. I might not put it I won't keep it in it. Yeah. Way. Just kinda talking about it. It just bleh. I, I I sometimes have a recurring dream where it's like driving through like this trailer parkish like some weird like market thing going on, but then it turns into a trailer park. Then it turns into like tents and stuff or something. But it's like it's that town. It's like it's that somehow it's that town, and I get that recurring dream. It's like
1: well, that's the thing about dreams though, is you can get weird feelings about it and you know even though the town that you're in doesn't look like this other town or this place doesn't look like the other place but you know okay this is what it's about i'm in this given place you know and reoccurring dreams are always fun we do have a special interview planned for our uh, October podcast, there's a local cosplayer named Ryan Wells who does some absolutely insane costumes.
0: He's insane. Insane. insane.
1: <laughs> now, he's done some pretty cool ones. He did Falcor from The NeverEnding Story. That's one of my favorites. Unfortunately, yes. I didn't get to see it in person.
0: Well, I saw Morton Joe from Mad Max. I saw that one. That was so good. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, that was pretty intense. He did the alien from...
0: Mars Attacks.
1: Mars Attacks. That was really cool. I got to see that one live, too, and that was yeah. that was cool. So we're going to be doing a interview with uh, Ryan. It's going to be a double-length interview, hopefully, and we're going to go ahead and split it up into two separate weeks. So, one week you'll get the first half of the interview, probably around 30 minutes, 40 minutes on that, and then the next week you'll get the remainder of the interview. So, that's something to look forward to. I thought it'd be appropriate for the Halloween time of year, you know? talking to someone who does the costume thing year-round and does super crazy costumes. He goes into a level of detail that is just... It's just insane. <laughs> he really... He goes above and beyond. The man really should be working in film because he's got the talent for it. So that's something to
0: look forward to. Oh man, let's talk about films.
1: This week for our movie, we watched Reservoir Dogs. Stephanie hadn't seen this movie yet, and it's one of those classic old movies that, you know, I've seen it many times, and I've always really liked it. We got to talking about it one day, and Stephanie said, yeah, I've never seen that. So we sat down and watched it, and we're going to do a little review. I'm sure most of you have seen it, but if you haven't, it's a really good movie that you need to see. As long as you don't mind a little bit of blood and uncomfortableness and pretty much the things that we've talked about that we don't like about certain movies, but in this case, it works. It's got some blood. It's got a little bit of gore, a little bit of torture in it.
0: Lots and lots of profanity, Tarantino style. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen Reservoir
1: Dogs, directed by Quentin Tarantino. His debut... Yeah. He wrote it, along with Roger Avery. It has Herbie Keitel in it, Tim Roth, uh, Michael
0: Madsen... Steve Buscemer, Chris Penn, who looks like Jonah Hill in it. It also has Lawrence Tierney in it,
1: and of course, Quentin Tarantino. He likes to be in most of his films, or he did... I don't know that he's still doing it. I don't remember seeing him in his last one, but he probably was at some point. The film revolves around a group of thieves who get together to do a heist. And the heist goes terribly, terribly wrong. The interesting thing about this particular heist film is, the one thing you never actually get to see is... The Heist. In the end, I feel like it really worked without showing the heist. It told the whole story. If it would have showed the heist, it would have taken something away from the mystery of what happened. The whole film is shot out of order, which is kind of a Quentin Tarantino way of doing things. Um, you get this jumble of scenes that go back and forth, back and forth. And you've got to kind of put it all together in your head in order to figure out the way everything went. What you end up having is, before the heist and the end of the heist being mixed together, if you actually showed the heist itself, I don't think it would have worked as well. Because then you would already know specifically what happened, what went wrong. You would see why Mr. Blonde snapped and started shooting people which probably wouldn't work as well for the overall story.
0: It would It would definitely take away from the characters. It was definitely all about the characters and who they really were. Another interesting thing is, who are the
1: characters? They're doing a heist together, other than Joe. They all know Joe, and they all know Nice Guy Eddie, but they don't know each other. They want to make sure that there's no way for the police to link everything back to them, so what they've done is given aliases to each of the thieves. Harvey Keitel is Mr. White. Uh, Tim Roth is Mr. Orange. Michael Madsen is Mr. Blonde. Edward Bunker is
0: Mr. Blue. Quentin Tarantino is Mr. Brown. Oh, you forgot about Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink. Ugh. How could you overlook Mr. Pink? I mean, Steve Buscemi. Uh, him, Him, excuse me.
1: He's the character who... Tries to keep things together and keep things calm as much as possible. And he's kind of the one that he just wants to get in, get it done, and move on. He doesn't want all the drama and everything that is seeming to come along with this. And Mr. Orange, of course, had a different backstory. He's not actually a thief, but he's a cop. So he's trying to bust the whole group of people from the top down at one time. There's his story in there while he's trying to get in, make him believe who he is.
0: Him becoming undercover brother.
1: And then of course, him simply trying to survive after he gets shot. It's a very good movie. Well worth the watch. You definitely will never listen to Stuck in the Middle with You in the same way. The movie kinda worked my view of that song. But, you know, anytime I hear it, don't care where I'm at, I've got to do the little dance.
0: Oh, yeah. Michael Madsen, after seeing this movie, I think he's so hot. I'll have to watch the other Tarantino movies, you know, again, and be like, Michael Madsen, oh my gurd. He's so hot and psychotic. At least in this movie, he was Mr. Psycho. Psycho killer.
1: Yeah, he did play the psycho killer in this one. In the the stuck-in-the-middle-with-you scene, if I remember correctly, they didn't have anything specifically planned for him to do. The dancing was something that he came up with. He basically wanted to make it as creepy as possible, and so dancing around with a straight razor in his hand to stuck-in-the-middle-with-you was probably about as creepy as you're going to get.
0: Oh, and I will say Chris Penn. He did a good job, but, like, for some reason there were times where he reminded me of Jonah Hill when Jonah Hill was in Wolf of Wall Street. They kind of had the similar, like, little bit of a afro thing going on. And what was up with Chris Penn and that huge phone? It just made it seem so much older. But 92 makes sense, I guess, for a car phone to look like that.
1: He had one of the big brick phones. Yeah, that was pretty accurate for it. I remember at that point I was doing security and we were carrying around the big brick bones and I always kinda of thought, well, if anyone messes with me, I can smack them with this phone and I'll drop them like a rock.
0: <laughs> One part that stood out to me just totally shocked me because it was just near the beginning, kinda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Pink Bucemi was talking about him getting away from the heist, like his him running away from the cops and stuff. And he uh a car crashes into him and he uh turns around and points the gun at the lady driving the car and she he just pulls her out of the window. <laughs> that was pretty intense. That like gave me a big shock. I was just like, What's going on?
1: Something that I found really interesting about the movie was that the way, in the last movie we watched, Chef, the food was a character unto itself. And in Reservoir Dogs, the music is a character. You've got K-Billy's super sound of the 70s weekend going all through the movie. And so you'll hear an announcer come on and, do the announcer voice, and they'll start playing music. And it was some really good music that they chose for it. And some of it was very odd for the particular scene, but it was all really interesting and good music through the whole movie. What kind of confuses me is the song that they decided to roll the credits to. You put the lime and the coconut and mix them both up. Not quite sure why they picked that one. It seemed so out of place for the movie, but somehow it just worked.
0: For me, it was more like it ended and my brain was kind of shutting off to process everything, and that song was okay for me. It just made my brain kind of twitch some more, and just I had to sit back and go, okay, what the heck was that? That was crazy. And uh, so you said... You know, the character, the main character, one of the main characters was the music. For me, it was the blood. Tarantino style. The blood was everywhere. All the time. Blood. Blood, 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 blood. Blood. I felt kind of nauseous at the end of it. I was like, that's a lot of blood. Blood.
1: I gotta kind of agree with you on that. There was a lot of blood. I'm not quite sure that Mr. Orange could lose that much blood and still be as active as he was. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It seems like he might have bled out at some point, but he lost a lot of blood. He was laying in a pool there, and but he was still able to sit up and talk. He wasn't moving around a lot, but it just seemed like he had lost enough blood that that wouldn't be a thing. But maybe that's just it. He's a tough guy.
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing I will put out there with Tim Roth, I thought he did a good job at portraying someone who was in an enormous amount of pain and just it made me feel uncomfortable every time he'd screech out in pain and was just oh, and the blood.
1: He did a good job of making you feel bad for the Mr. Orange character being gut shot and bleeding out, and he went back to a childlike mentality and had that fear of death, and it was uncomfortable to watch part of that. So what did you think of the movie
0: overall? Kind of explained it already, that it made my brain twitch a lot. So this movie was insane. I mean, it was Tarantino's directorial debut, And I had not seen it before. I had only seen, you know, like, Kill Bill movies and Django and some others. I just go back to this. It was like, whoa, this is total Tarantino style. The dialogue, they had some little, you know, clever lines in there that I liked when, you know, Madsen's character was Mr. Blonde is drinking soda from a straw. And uh, he says to Mr. White and Mr. Pink, "Hey, guys, uh, I gotta show you something." And like he tosses his drink at some point, and uh Mr. White says something like, "Oh, don't you have some fries to go with that soda?" He's like, "Oh no, I already ate those." You know, just like I just thought it was just cool to just throw that line, at, you know, those
1: lines in there. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Tarantino's style is the very interesting and cool language that he uses, and he can create a character that's very cool and collected even in the middle of chaos so how many stars would you give it
0: five yeah yes even with all the blood that's cool it's because of madsen his character just shines he's like the joker man it's like the psychotic crazy comedic person kind of like a sexy quality you know yeah, the Joker is kind of sexy too. So Heath Ledger, yeah. I really enjoyed the movie.
1: It always kind of spoke to me. Um, the intensity of it, the coolness of the language, the kind of the coolness of all the characters, and the uniqueness of each of the characters. They're all very different people. To me, this movie always kind of stood out. Of course, I like some of its later work a little bit better, but for a first attempt, he did a standout job on this film. There's a reason he makes the films that he does. He knows what he's doing, and he's not afraid to push the boundaries to see what he can come up with. So for me, I'd have to say probably four stars. I don't think I'd go quite to five. I don't have a thing for Madsen either, so, you know, that's just me.
0: Oh, yeah, and Tim Roth, I thought he did an excellent job. I mean, I felt like the movie was more about the characters than anything. I mean, there was some action, yes, and there was some intensity. Like, you know, with the Kill Bill films, there was so much more going on with all the action and all this and this and that, but this one was really about the characters and the blood. And the music.
1: And the blood.
0: (laughs) Anyways, so yeah, each character definitely stood out to me, at least with the misters, all the people in the crew, you know, the head guy, you know, he was kind of interesting. He's like, uh, oh, that's not. Be all comedic and jokey. You're not going to joke about this. It's my way or the highway. Oh, yeah, he said my way or the highway. I was like, really? You're going to be that cliche and put that in there, but fine. When this movie came
1: out, I don't think the line, it's my way or the highway, it wasn't as worn out as it is now. Oh, okay. I thought the take on it was odd. He said it in a weird way. Yeah. And that drew more attention to it.
0: Maybe that was the points. I guess
1: the way he actually said it was kind of odd. So,
0: yeah, I get that. But I will say, Tim Roth, everything he had to go through with being undercover and like being kind of like an actor, I'm guessing, was just going over the same lines over and over and over to where it's just it's him. To where you see him in the role, it's pretty
1: cool. I really like that scene also, where. He's going over and he's telling the story over and over and over to um, put himself into it. Just the way they did that was pretty intense. And even though you know that he's telling the story, when they get to the scene where he walks into the bathroom and there's the uh, sheriff's officers in the bathroom... I think your heart still kind of catches a little bit and you go, oh, how are you going to get out of this? Even though you know it's a story, you know? Yeah. A story within the story. Definitely one that I enjoy and wanted to make sure that Stephanie had the chance to experience. Our next movie that we're going to be reviewing on the podcast is called Housebound. Housebound is a movie about a woman who is under house arrest. She goes to stay with her mother and she comes to find that the house is haunted. The story of her trying to figure out if it's through overactive imagination or if the house is actually haunted or what's going on. That's going to be a fun movie leading into the Halloween season. So if you want to follow along, go ahead and go check out Housebound and we'll talk about that next time. That wraps it up for this edition of Film Underdogs.
0: Hey listeners, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Film Underdogs or go on to our Facebook page, Film Underdogs.
1: If you want to get a hold of us, you can also drop us a message at filmunderdogs at gmail.com be sure to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher BeyondPod whatever podcast player you use we'll be there always remember to
0: follow your dreams and stay inspired Proceed with the story that Mr McRandall was attacked by a vengeful ghost. Yes. Righto.